Welcome to Beyond My Title. I'm Nikiba and I wear a variety of hats. I'm a sales advisor at a startup in New York City, but that's my nine to five. Beyond My Title, I created a skincare line in my dorm room kitchen in 2010. Three years later, I launched Cori Renee, a plant-powered skincare line that is inspired by nature and powered by plants. I am very passionate about empowering others through storytelling. I believe that we all have a unique story and it goes deeper than our title. I created this podcast to share conversations about how we identify ourselves, our work, and the legacy we wish to leave behind. This podcast was brought to you by Bib Media. Born in Brooklyn, believe the hype. Today, Ijoma Cola is joining me, and I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Welcome. So Ijoma is a researcher completing her PhD in sociomedical sciences in the Center for History and Ethics of Public Health at Columbia University. She's a lifestyle blogger who made her first YouTube video in college in 2010 and has been blogging ever since. She's currently writing her dissertation, I Can't Breathe, The Rise of Asthma in Black Urban America, and examining how black doctors, community leaders, and asthma sufferers themselves respond to the epidemic as the broader medical community struggles to acknowledge, understand, and manage asthma in the 20th century. She started blogging to share her thoughts and experiences to redefine what beauty means to her as a woman of color, while navigating higher education, entrepreneurship, and real life. Her brand has evolved to a destination for beauty, style, travel, and academic advice for a community of over 100,000 women. What a journey. It's crazy hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what would you say your title is? Oh, wow. I think lately I have been introducing myself to people as a PhD student and a lifestyle blogger. So I think those are the two titles that I tend to use. What, what inspired that shift and, and what would you say you described yourself as prior to? Um, so before, probably two years ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago, I would say that I am a PhD student who has a blog. Um, but I started really owning the blog as, one, as it grew, but also as I started treating it as a business. Um, I had always been making like a little bit of money from it, um, even when I started making YouTube videos back in the day. But in the past year and a half, I started thinking about it as a business, um, started being really serious about expanding a team and strategizing. So yeah, it really started taking over my life. <laughs> so it felt weird to kind of, it was no longer a side project. Yes. Um, it became a main staple of my life, which is why I now use the title Lifestyle Blogger. Um, and I think it's gonna be weird in a couple of months when by God's grace, I finished my PhD and I will no longer be a PhD student because that's been part of my title and part of my identity for the past seven years. So it'll be interesting how I um, redefine myself after that. For sure. So you mentioned identity. I want to I want to get into what young Ijama was like. What were you like as a child? Oh, gosh. Um, I was a very talkative, I'm still very talkative, <laughs> I was a very talkative child. Um, I'm Nigerian, I was born in Nigeria, but I grew up in New Jersey, and I have two brothers, so I'm in the middle of two brothers. Um, spent a lot of time just kind of trying to avoid their wrath. <laughs> um, I read a lot when I was young. Um, I was always kind of like 
like pretty smart in school, so it was kind of bored in school. But uh, my parents would always give me like extra homework workbooks and stuff to do at home um so I was either always reading or like doing some little workbook or running away from my brother <laughs> definitely shout out to Casey and Obi yeah. Obi yeah <laughs> so so what was it like coming from Nigeria and moving to New Jersey um so I was actually only two when I moved so I have no idea <laughs> um I think a big move uh, in my childhood was actually I moved from a an urban and mostly African-American but more diverse neighborhood to one that was predominantly white um, when I was 10, so in fifth grade. Um, and that was a pretty big defining, I think, moment of my life. One, my educational prospects um, changed and I think my, my parents moving uh, moving our neighborhoods and then get, putting us into private school like really shifted my academic trajectory and I probably would not have um, ended up in a PhD program, you know, had they not done that um, at that young age. But also it kind of gave me um, a weird culture shift where I had never, I mean, I'd always, I'd always known I was Nigerian. My parents were heavily involved in Nigerian community, but the fact that I was black didn't really occur to me as a difference until I was now like the only black person Mm -hmm. um, in my entire elementary school. So um, that was a pretty, um, a big move that kind of affected my sense of self. How was that exploring your sense of self at that time? Um, It's funny because you don't really realize when you're 10 years old and you get to a new school and kids are asking you if you know how to do the Harlem Shake and the Crip Walk. Like you don't internalize it. That's like messed up yeah (laughs) Um, yeah and that you're being viewed as like the token person or a representative of a whole culture so it wasn't until later that as I was reflecting I was like oh dang like that was a rough that was a rough time yeah Um, but in the moment I kind of I was always able to I think maybe bypass any potential stereotypes that that um, my peers had about African-Americans because I was like super smart and so um I never felt like less than anyone. Um, by the time I got to high school, you know, then I realized like economic differences was was a thing. There were people in my high school um, who, by the time everyone got their licenses, like folks would get Porsches and they were driving to school in Porsches, okay. right? Yeah. <laughs> and I was driving a like secondhand Mitsubishi. Yeah, <laughs> was like barely running. <laughs> that was my brother's. <laughs> Hey, got to start so somewhere. We have to start somewhere. Um, so I th- it was probably not until like my last years of high school um, that I fully started to really think about how I was different from the people around me. Um, and that propelled me once I got to college to really in- like engross myself in all things black. Like by the time I was finished with high school, I was like, all right, it's time for me to really come into like my blackness and really find... It was the first time when I went to college was the first time that I really had an, a number of black people around me who were just like me, you know, who thought it was cool and fun and who were just nerds. And like, it was OK to be a nerd. Yeah, <laughs> it was like OK to be a nerd and to be black. Um, and so I kind of reveled in that community in high school, not sorry, not in high school, in college. Um, yeah. Very, very interesting. So bringing it back to young Ijoma, yes. <laughs> what were you curious about? Or like what, what, were, what were you curious about as a child and then how did that play into your life like, you know, through middle school and going into high school and college? Did yeah, anything so remain the same? Or 
Sort of. Um, when I was little, I my parents will always say that I had a whole variety of careers that I wanted to pursue. Like one of the funniest ones. At one point, I said I wanted to be a pastor's wife, which is like so random. Like who says that? <laughs> <laughs> but um, for a while, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a pediatrician, um, and that kind of guided my academic pursuits for a long time. Um, so my mom was a nurse when I was younger, um, and I mean, a, a doctor just seemed like a thing that you should do. And also, if you're just Nigerian, you just you, your parents just tell you you have to be a doctor or like Tutelage. a lawyer or something. Um, so if you're good at, at math and science, then, you know, you will be a doctor. Yes. <laughs> so I kind of just continued along that path. I was good at math and science. Um, when I was going to college, I decided that I was going to major in I applied saying that I was going to major in microbiology and then started taking pre-med classes. Um, so th that interest and curiosity in science and also wanting to help. Another thing is I always wanted to help children. So it wasn't that I wanted to be, I never really wanted to work with adults. It was always about, I want to um, work with children. And I also wanted to work with, I had this dream of opening up my own clinic and offering like low cost or free services. Um, so I always had a heart for people who could not necessarily afford healthcare, um, and also for young kids. So I, that's still, even though I moved away from medicine um, into researching public health, and even though I'm sort of like potentially like moving away from public health entirely um, once I'm done and might not focus on it at least immediately after graduation, the passion that I have um, still remains to help people of color. Um, who don't have the resources, don't have, you know, people in their corner to teach them, to encourage them, um, both from a health perspective, but also just in regular life. Where do you think that inspiration comes from? Um, I w probably my parents. So my parents, I am still like amazed at how they moved to a new country and raised three kids and got them all into really good college like we're all doing like pretty well for ourselves and you know not every immigrant family has that narrative um, but my parents really sought out every single possible opportunity that they could put their kids in to like give them a leg up like we were always in some academic enrichment summer program which at the time was super annoying but of course yeah, right like you know everyone is like playing you know at the beach or going to summer camp and I was at nerd camp like all from like fifth grade I was in nerd camp all summers learning all sorts of things um what were you learning at, at nerd camp oh what, my what gosh was this? I think I took in the summer after like sixth grade this is so embarrassing Embarrassing. I took a class on like mathematical logic. Like, why do you need to know that <laughs> at <Wow>. age whatever twelve? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I did a three-week summer course on logic. Um, I took some courses on genetics and genomics, and that really got me um, interested more in medicine. Um, and yeah, I think that my parents—they were just really resourceful. They're so my mom started off as a nurse, but then um, both of my parents decided to start a real estate appraisal appraisal company. So they would end up interacting with a lot of people. Um, and I remember every time they would come back from, you know, someone's really big house, they would always ask them, you know, what do you do? And what do you, how, what do your children do? Yeah. <laughs> how did you get your children to, you know, where they are? Um, so that curiosity and that 
thirst for knowledge that my parents have, you know, luckily was transferred to me, but they always asked questions. They always sought out um, new resources. They always tried to find something that they could do with us to put us ahead, to give us a leg up. Um, and so many people don't have that there. And, it, you know, it's not anyone's fault. You know, folks' parents are busy or they just don't know or they don't have the social networks to get this kind of information. I think my parents, because of the kind of work that they did, they were able to have access to a whole range of people um, that, you know, probably the average person you know doesn't have. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what what is it like now um, being married and what is wife life like? Wife life um, compared to being single or compared to girlfriend life? Compared to both. Like, okay. what, what is it? Yeah, I'm like, I'm like hmm. Um, someone might want to hear both. Well, ah, oh, interesting. So I don't think it's really different from girlfriend life. Let me, okay, let me start with single life. Um, so my now husband and I, we were in a long distance relationship for about four years. Um before, I mean, we started dating in college, so I actually probably can't speak to the single life, but I can speak to life when he wasn't physically around. Yeah. Um, one of the benefits of having, being in a long distance relationship, although it sucked, was that I had all of this like free time to um, develop relationships and cultivate friendships. I think that if you are in a serious relationship, like in your early 20s, you might be um, impeded from kind of like developing new friendships because you're all your time, not all your time, but a good chunk of your time might be spent with your significant other. So, you know, we met super like sh shortly after college um, at me going to some event that I probably wouldn't have gone to if Jonathan was around. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I guess the difference now is, you know, now that we are in the same house <laughs> and we're together all the time, um, I mean, my time is different. I definitely have to be more intentional about spending time with him, um, about building our relationship physically while we're together, but also, you know, emotionally and, and spiritually. Um, but it's also really nice having a support system, having a cheerleader who their whole job their whole purpose really essentially is just to like hype you up like that's what i Definitely. always say that like marriage is just like having a personal hype person all the time at least that's how it is in my house <laughs> that's beautiful <laughs> likewise yeah, yeah yeah so i mean it's it's been really helpful to have um him encourage me all the time because i am doing way too much for no reason <laughs> so it's nice to have someone always in my ear you know reminding me to do my schoolwork, helping me negotiate things um so I think if you find the right person marriage is a true gift and a treasure how is it balancing your varying identities um I think once I decided to own them all, it became a lot easier to balance. So in the first um, maybe four years of, maybe four, four or five years of my PhD, I kind of like, I didn't tell my my uh, dissertation advisors that I was, you know, had this blog on the side. I was kind of doing things, not necessarily secretly, but I was blogging under a, um, what's it called, an, an alias, if you will. <laughs> so I was blogging under the alias Classy Kinks. Um, and then I had school stuff, but 
I just got tired of classy kinks and I wanted to expand beyond hair. So I started off as a natural hair blogger. I didn't want to really focus on hair anymore. And the name classy kinks no longer made sense. And I had spelled classy with a K while I was in college because I thought it was cute. And it just, every single time I looked at it, I was like, this is the dumbest thing. <laughs> I was like, why <laughs> did you spell this wrong? Um, so I eventually decided to just change it to my name. Also, I couldn't think of anything clever. So I was like, I guess it has to be Ijamakola. Um, so once I decided to brand to my name, you know, it, I can't I couldn't I could no longer separate the two lives like if you google Ijamakola a whole blog is gonna come up and so if you're looking for my research it would be kind of weird so I kind of had to combine them um and had to make them one and had to kind of really integrate my research into the blog and vice versa um so that made it easier to balance my identities because I didn't feel like there was no there was no longer a pull from well, you're an academic, but also you're a creative. Like that, they just really are. They're just two parts of me, um, and it's also great that I've met a lot of people in the past couple of years who have similar, not necessarily interests. They, they might not be a lifestyle blogger and a PhD student, but they are balancing a, a more corporate life or an academic life with a creative or entrepreneurial interest. So there are a, a lot more people now I think doing that or at least I know of them now <laughs> doing that in the past then in the past couple of years so it doesn't seem difficult to balance because I know that a lot of other people are doing it. it's kind of like the world we live in now like everybody has a side hustle everybody has something else that they're doing to either make ends meet or to like fulfill themselves so yeah so what what would you say like was your kind of like breaking point of like okay I can't do classy kinks anymore like w when did you decide that you're just gonna go ahead and full-on rebrand and like start fresh yeah I got tired of doing my hair yeah I just was like I do not want to sit down and wash my hair and record a whole video and twist my hair up and wait for two days for it to dry <laughs> and put on makeup <laughs> the second day later and like record another video um so I think that's something that people don't realize if they are in, if they follow like natural hair bloggers, is it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. And you actually end up doing a lot of damage to your hair. If, say that you're styling your hair every single week for a new video. Like that's a lot of manipulation. Um, and I had gotten to a point in my natural hair journey, if you will, after being natural for like six years, I had done every style there was to do. So there was nothing new or interesting that I felt that I could do with my hair. Um, so I no longer wanted to be uh, held to being a hair blogger. I no longer wanted that to be my identity and my, my main purpose. Um, also, people had started asking me about non-hair things. And I had started just randomly posting about non-hair things before I started taking my Instagram, you know, really seriously and having it organized and cohesive and whatnot. It looks so good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but before I did that, I had started kind of posting like little mirror shots of my little outfit and those would do pretty well. So I think I started organically like testing the waters um, by incorporating non-hair content before I decided to rebrand, which helped make the rebrand um, go a lot more seamlessly than it could. It could have been a disaster, but it, it seemed to be okay. <laughs> so when would you say you started down your path that led you here? Ooh, where is here is the question. <laughs> um, I mean, it would probably be when I first, when I cut my hair, when I decided to go natural, um, which was, I decided to go natural in May of 2009 and cut my hair in May of 2010. Um, and that is what propelled me into the blogger life. I, I went to college at 
Harvard. There weren't a lot of um, people at the time, women at the time, who wore their hair natural. There are a couple people who wore it natural, but you know, got their hair pressed a lot or wore their hair in braids. But I, I don't. Even, for some reason, I was really committed to just like wearing it out. Um, and there was only one other girl on campus who wore her hair out in a fro, and I didn't know her like that, so I couldn't ask her yeah. <laughs> any questions. What year was this? This is in 2010. So That's this is when after- I went natural yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, this is after my freshman. Yes, this I cut my hair after sophomore year. Yes, because I transitioned um, during sophomore year. So um, when I cut my hair that summer, I had to learn how to do my hair, and I had been watching a couple of videos on um, YouTube and saw that you know people were talking about this, and it seemed like. One, I I was using YouTube to learn, but I also wanted to contribute to the community and kind of journal my progression with my hair. So I remember some of the first videos I did, I was just sitting and twisting my hair and like talking about the fact that I was sitting and twisting my hair. I saw this video. You guys have to see it. Oh my God, please do not see it. It's so, the quality is so bad. It's just terrible. It's the journey. Uh, It is the come up. So yeah, so that summer, that's when I really kind of just started making YouTube videos, and that's when I got comfortable talking to a person who isn't there, which if you think about it, is kind of random. Like, no one is there, and you're having a whole conversation like with a camera. But I got comfortable doing it um, that summer, and then when school started, I I just kind of continued. And by the time I had graduated, a couple of other people had gone natural, and people had started to ask me for advice, since I was like one of the early people to do it in school um, and to do not just to do it but be talking about it so it somehow got out that I was like making these little videos and so people would come ask me like little freshmen would ask me like oh how do you do a twist down I'm like girl come to my room I'll show you how to do a twist down <laughs> um, and then I had like a little room dorm room salon um, and so that's when I really started blogging about natural hair and then when I graduated college um, I couldn't keep up with videos when I started my PhD because I started it immediately after. So that's when I started writing more. Um, And the writing opened up a new world because then you could write about anything. And then I started writing about everything. Yeah. (laughs) When did you realize you could blog and make a living? Mm, I don't know the the exact moment. Actually, I do know the exact moment. The exact moment (laughs) was... Um, around, was it this time? It was sometime in 2017, probably like halfway through 2017. Um, I had always like made spreadsheets to track my income and my expenses. I don't even know why I started. I just, I always did that from, from jump. I know why. Cause I always told myself I didn't want to use my personal money for this blog stuff. So business 101, yes, that is like for, a major tip. Right. So from the start. Um, like the first person's hair, I did a twist out. I probably charged her $15. Like that money was like reinvested <laughs> into the blog. Um, so at some point I was like looking at my projection and I think that I had made in a year, this is halfway through, maybe like three quarters of the way through last year, 2017, I had made around $20,000. Um, so I had earned, let me not say made because it was like, gross versus net whatever anyway but I had earned around twenty thousand dollars and I was looking at um postdoc fellowships because I had just lost yep I had just um so 
how my PhD funding worked, I had five years of funding. Year six, I didn't have any funding, so I had to pay out of pocket. Um, and then year seven, I also don't have funding. So halfway through year six, I am now a lot more conscious of like money <laughs> since I am paying my own tuition. Um, and it dawned on me that I could probably make my fellow how much my fellowship would have been, which would the Columbia Fellowship at that time was is was like about thirty two thousand dollars. So I was like, oh, I can make this. Like I can make this blogging. I can make. I'm already at twenty k. Like I could make another ten k before the end of the year. Um, and that's when it hit me that that this could be something serious, especially if I was doing it part time. Especially if I was. It's not really part time. I'm doing it full time, but I should be doing it part time. But um, <laughs> and then also a couple of other bloggers. You know, they would say that they you know, made six figures. And I'm like, girl, you lying. You're not making six figures. <laughs> but they did. Like, it's possible. I know. I now know it's possible. Because yeah. I done did it. Like, it's possible. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, probably around last year, um, I was just really trying to match my, what would have been my fellowship income. And then from there, then I got really serious and buckled down. Yes. And now we hustle it. So you are, you're, you're making it happen. So yeah. what challenges were you facing doing this by yourself? And then I'd love to learn more about what it's like to have a team now. Yeah. So one of the biggest things um, that was an issue when I was doing it by myself was emails. So at least in the influencer and the blogging business, like campaign emails come all day, every day, at all times of the day. Um, and I went to I went to a blogging conference and someone said that the number one way to get hired for a campaign is just to respond to your email. And I had been there'd be times where I would respond two weeks later to an email just because I didn't have time to get to get to them. And I realized that a lot of the times when you respond late, not only has the whole campaign been filled, but any room there might have been for you to negotiate a higher budget, like there's no more money because everyone else has already taken up all the money. <laughs> so that was my first thing that I felt like I had to fix. Like I had to get on top of my email. Um, so in April of this year, April or May of this year, right around when I decided to rebrand, I also like found a um, an administrative assistant to do my emails. Um, and since then, it's crazy. Like since then, my, from the beginning, so the first like six months of the year versus the last six months of the year, ever since I got an assistant and expanded my team, my income has, so the income for the second half of the year was double the income from the first half of the year. So Look having an assistant that. doubled my income. Yeah, Just because, you know, you I can respond to emails more quickly, she can funnel, emails that don't require my time <laughs> that aren't important so I can focus on the more important ones um, so that has been the transition to being a, a team of one to now now it's a team of three um, has definitely from a financial standpoint been more than worth it so one of the things that I really admire about you and your work is your authenticity and just being you know extremely candid about what's you know What's really happening? Right. It's not just a beautiful image and there's like no story behind it. So how has it been, you know, just remaining authentic to your true self? Yeah. So that's something that I am super passionate about. Um, I think because I started off blogging 
without an intent to make any money. Like I was just doing it to talk to people. Um, so my heart is still very much like I'm just really trying to talk to people. And if someone happens to want to pay me <laughs> for talking to people, like sure, cool. But um, I'm never going to like sell myself out, you know, just for a check. Because I'm also thinking about the long game. I think that people who are not authentic after a while, followers see that, people recognize that. And then they might still like your picture, but they're no longer buying into your story. And I have a bigger goal, you know, besides blogging. So I need people to be with me in the long haul. Yeah. Um, but I think one way that I remain authentic is I evaluate every single campaign that comes in. So if it is a brand that I haven't used before, I look up their like value statement. I look up their about me. I look up who founded them. I'm always open to having a conversation. Um, I really believe that my following is a community. And although it's getting um, more and more difficult to keep that community feel as I grow, it's still super important for me to just be able to talk to people. So if someone DMs me, I reply. I try my hardest to reply to them. If someone emails me, I reply to them. I ask a lot of questions, ask for a lot of feedback. Um, and sometimes it's tough when you ask people if they like your wig and they say nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think that's like real. So that's that's how I kind of keep it authentic. Yeah. Like I, I talk to people. It's an exchange. It's a conversation. Um, I'm not just trying to like sell stuff to folks. Like I actually... Like, want to know about their lives as well. So how has sustainability impacted your life? Yes. Well, um, Nikeba's approach to sustainability inspires me to be more sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think as you, at least it depends on what verticals, but I mean, for me, I usually blog about beauty or fashion or lifestyle. Um, so I get a lot of products. I get sent a lot of stuff. I found myself going through a lot of different clothes. Um, so I'm kind of always thinking about, one, if I'm not going to use something, how can I give it? I'm not throwing anything away. So how can I give it to somebody who's in need, whether it's a fellow follower or give it something to a shelter? If I have clothes, rather than throwing them away, how can I either resell them or gift them or donate them. Um, I'm a huge fan of Rent the Runway. I feel like if you follow me for five seconds, you will know that I, I love, love Rent the, the Runway. Yes. Um, because, you know, you're rather than buying clothes all the time, you are like cycling, you're sharing clothes with a, I forgot how many users they have. It's in the millions. Their business model is also crazy. But anyway, um, you're sharing clothes and, and not impacting the environment as much anymore. So another, in the beauty space, I have found myself um, been increasingly drawn to companies who use, for example, like glass bottles. Um, and I think I can see that at least the companies who are reaching out to me, I don't know if this is representative of the majority of companies, but at least the ones reaching out to me seem to also start, also have sustainability as a priority of theirs. I will not lie and say that is the very first thing that comes to my mind yeah. <laughs> at any given point, but um, it's something that I'm aware of and I'm in, it's in the back of my mind and I try to be mindful of. How does life outside balance your work? Life outside? Um, so I think when you work, when social media is your work, it's tough to blur the lines or rather the lines between work and non-work can be really much blurred. And I was actually like talking to um, one of my siblings about this because, you know, 
if my younger brother like DMs me a meme or something and I check my, say I'm not working and I check my DMs because he DMed me something and my DMs also is like a brand asking me for something or a follower asking me for something. So even though I don't want to be working, it still ends up potentially being work. So one, the lines between work and non-work are definitely like super blurred for me, but I try every once in a while to, at least weekends, I try to like scale back on weekends. Um, I try not to post as much, especially on Sundays. I recently have been like pretty serious about like taking my Sabbath and just like not opening Instagram, not touching it, just thinking about my family and my faith and just like taking a nap. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that from a time perspective, I definitely try to log off and not do any sort of work on um, Sundays and then also try to turn my phone off at a certain hour. It should be 10, it's not always 10. <laughs> it's hard. But like just yeah. like no screen time after a certain time. Cause even if I'm, also if I'm on the computer, say I wanna just be casually watching some other, some YouTube video about, I don't know, watching a TED talk, then some email notification comes up. So uh, it's, it's hard to separate the two. But. For sure. So how, how do you feel that you are able to recharge your batteries? Oh, it's so necessary. Yeah. I'm very much, I guess by the time this like airs, it will be have passed, but I'm very much looking forward to like Christmas break. <laughs> I am putting in an out of office notification on my email. I haven't gone like out of office um, since my honeymoon over almost two years ago. So super excited about that. I think it's really important, especially if you're pouring out yourself as I do, a lot of what I talk about is very personal. I'm sharing things that have happened to me, um, experiences that I've had, my feelings. So it can get kind of emotionally draining to put yourself out there all the time. Um, so having to step back every once in a while, I think is important. Um, and then also remembering to do my schoolwork because I still need to do that. <laughs> Balance. <laughs> yeah. For but my, sure. My, um, my support system helps keep me balanced. You know, I have really amazing friends who, when I hang out with them, I try not to think about the phone and you know we just have a good time and then there's of course my family and my husband so what brings you joy oh that's such a good question so many I feel like I'm very easily joyful <laughs> um people people who are confident people who who are light-hearted people who just like to have fun um, that brings me joy. Um, my parents being proud of me brings me a lot of joy because um, I know I'm doing something very untraditional <laughs> in the immigrant eye, but you know they're so supportive. My mom comments now regularly. <laughs> it's like hilarious. So that brings me joy. Um, oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I almost forgot this. But from a business perspective, what brings me joy is whenever someone DMs me and say says that they have applied into graduate school and they got into the school that they wanted to get into or that they've graduated from their program, just like, yes, girl, you just gave, like made me so happy for the day. Um, so that's probably my, that's the most rewarding part of, of my job. And that brings me the most joy from a uh, work perspective. What brings you the most joy from a personal perspective? I think you touched on it, but yeah, just spending time with people I love and care about. Also, sleep. I love sleep. <laughs> Same. Same. I love. 
I love sleep so much. <laughs> so what was it like collaborating with your mom on your um, just, you know, learning more about her world of real estate yeah. and and just share more on that, please. Yeah, so I recently did, um, it was really funny because a brand reached out and specifically asked for my mom. Um, so a brand wanted to talk about, wanted to spotlight people who are pursuing their passions as they are entering retirement or already in retirement. So they reached out specifically asking for me to do a video with my mom. Um, so I had to ask her first and she was like, of course. <laughs> So she's like semi-retired. She's kind of like bored. <laughs> so she was totally um, up for it. And I thought it was really cool because it was very different from the kind of content that I normally create. Um, but it really gave an opportunity to, one, like highlight my mom, who is an amazing woman. I mean, you know her. So she's an amazing woman. Um, she's also super hilarious, like born for the camera. Like I feel like she needs her own TV show. She does. She's so extra. <laughs> um, but it also was able to like open up this conversation um, with my audience about real estate investing. And I'm also very much about like wealth building and everybody stacking their paper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not being in debt or getting out of debt. Like I'm really all about like wise financial management. Um, and that's something, yes. And that's just, just a, something that a lot of people don't have. Um, and I, I luckily was raised by people who were I don't even know how they learned, but very financially savvy and like imparted um, financial wisdom into me from a young age. And I also recognize that not everybody has that. So just having the opportunity to kind of share um, my mom's story and my, both how my both of my parents are now real estate investors. Um, it was an empowering moment for me to be able to highlight her but then I also like paid her and she tried to refuse my money I was like no like this is they asked for you like you are the talent like I'm paying you like I, I pay I'm paying you what did that um, feel like oh it was so good it was so and she's been in campaigns before but like why didn't I pay her before I don't know because <laughs> I don't know before it wasn't about her it was just about like me <laughs> she happened to be there but this one was really like about her um and she was shocked and again tried to refuse the money and I was like no this is for you I trust me I already took my cut <laughs> this is your cut. um so yes it was a really really wonderful feeling I'm looking forward to if there are other opportunities that you know, can organically incorporate her. I'd love to continue doing that. All, all of my family. It's also really fun whenever I get to include Jonathan in, in a post. He doesn't care, but <laughs> unamused. I nice. he, yeah, but I'm so sure he loves it inside. <laughs> Definitely. So what are you passionate about aside from the many amazing things we talked about? So I'm really passionate about I, th I feel like we've talked about it already, mm -hmm. but I'm really passionate about equipping women of color with resources that they need to be great as like my new mission yes. <laughs> not new mission but that is my overarching mission I think in all the work that I do whether it is my research work or my blogging work um so I am passionate about like mentoring other people um giving blogging advice giving academic advice giving love advice my girly that man <laughs> bye <laughs> he's not the one <laughs> um I'm also really, I don't know if I would call this a passion or it brings me joy. I really like home related things. Like I really love home decor. I love cooking, um, which is funny because I, I um, port not portray. I'm very like independent woman, 
feminists, like African feminists, like we're out here, do it yourself. <laughs> but there's also a part of me who really like would be okay being a housewife <laughs> because I like like cooking and I like I don't like cleaning, but I like love decorating. Yeah. You're really <laughs> um, good at it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, those are some miscellaneous passions of mine. So what is next for Ijama? Who what is next? Um I am graduating in May, by God's grace. <laughs> um, so that's 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 what's next. It's I, I think I said this earlier, but it's going to be really crazy not being in school because I've been in school for the past twenty four years of my life <laughs> consecutively. <laughs> so um, it's going to be really weird. Um, but I'm excited for. For whatever comes next, I'm not really sure what comes next. I know that I'm not entering the academic job market. Um, I am also, um, you know, we're kind of thinking about potentially moving to the African continent. So that's something that's really exciting. I'm, yeah, I'm Nigerian. My husband's from Kenya. Um, so we would like to at some point go back home because that's still home. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, but what else? Okay, yeah, so finishing school, potentially moving, um, and then just continuing to inspire women as as well as I can. Um, I don't know if it'll still be in blog format or in some other medium, but I'm going to do my best to continue doing this work that I feel like I've been called to do. Can't wait to see it. You'll be the first to know. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, I actually really want to create um, either a school or an after-school program in Africa that identifies really smart, high-achieving, like middle school-aged girls or elementary middle school-aged girls. Um, And I kind of want to give them academic leadership and character development training to position them in a place where they can attend Ivy League colleges in the US. So that's like my the life work yes. that I wanna do and that I want to be um, known for. That's the legacy I wanna have. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna do that in five years, in two years, in 20 years, but I feel really strongly about the fact that I recognize that I am very blessed and lucky to have been, have been able to get to a position where I went to an Ivy League college, I got a master's degree, I got a PhD. Um, There are a lot of really, really, really smart people out there. A lot of young girls who don't have people encouraging them to go to school, who have people who, you know, pull them out of school because they might not have money for tuition. They might not have school fees. They might not have money for uniforms or whatnot. Um, And that kind of breaks my heart, thinking about all of the the young girls out there who don't have the same kind of access to education that I had. So anything I can do to get them here, it doesn't have to be here. I actually argue with Jonathan about this all the time. He's like, oh, we should build schools in Africa. I'm like, okay, whatever. By the time we do that, <laughs> in the meantime, yeah, let me get them um, into, it doesn't need to be Ivy League, but into good schools here. Um, I really would love to help build the future generation of female scholars and female thinkers. Right. Because we're here. Yes. We are here. They are here. They just need a little bit of help. Name it and claim it. It's going to yep. happen. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Where can we find you? You can find me all over the internet <laughs> at <laughs> ijamakola.com or at ijamakola, and that is I J E O M A K O L A.
amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks. I would love to hear from you. Reach out and share more about how you're living life beyond your title at beyondmytitle at gmail.com. Follow along on social media at Beyond My Title and like, share, and subscribe to hear the latest episodes first. This podcast was brought to you by Bib Media. Born in Brooklyn, believe the hype.